It's got an awful bite It's gonna rise again Keeping track of everything we lose Another hole to mend Tell me I'm Eric James, your host. It is May 7, 2019, for those of you keeping track of time. Uh, we had a great podcast last week with Wade Rowland, and this week we're going to be doing part two of that interview. He's just an amazing man that uh, I met at a neighbor's house, and he is just uh, really, 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 really uh, just an amazing person. Um, I really enjoy talking with him. I really enjoy spending time with him. I think he's just got a great vibe to him. And I'm so glad to talk with him on here so you people can get a chance to, to listen to him and his philosophy, his way of life, just his thinking, just a, a really cool human being. Uh, next week, we're going we're gonna to have some other guests. If anybody ever wants to be a guest on the show, email me at ericjames315 at gmail.com. It's just real people talking with real people. There is no uh, ego involved. It's all about human rights. It's about people, creativity. Uh, it's about the beauty in people. It's about just being good humans. And I think we can all relate to that in life. We, uh, you know, when you put all the bullshit away in life and all the stress, we are just humans um, here for an experience of joy and love. And there's many, many beautiful people out there. And that's just kind of been my goal with this podcast, to talk to beautiful people, uh, people with tools, uh, how they deal with life, their ego, their stress. Uh, just remember, folks, we are made by love, for love, to, to show love. And uh, we can do that every day. It's not that hard uh, to be good humans. And I guarantee you will feel a lot better. So I hope everybody enjoys this part two of uh, the tales of Earl Potty Mouth Arbuckle. We will be uh, talking with him in a minute, so enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
my back. This is Awake to Freedom. I'm sitting here with Wade Roland, and uh, I'm just going to let him take it away. We're on part two. All right. So, yeah, I was... Uh, um, like I said, I just uh, finished producing this pilot for my friend Indigo, uh, the Polly, uh, Polly Mermaid, uh, the Princess of Plastic. And, uh, uh, and I just got an Obamacare. Obamacare just yes. came out around then. Um, it's like 2004, five, six. Yeah, some more 2004, I think. Okay. I think it was 2004, if I'm, yeah. Don't quote me. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we're in the neighborhood. Uh, and then, um, uh, or wait, no, it could have been, that might have been more like, uh, it was roughly five or six years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have my dates wrong there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was thinking. Six, yeah, six, six years ago, give or take okay. six months or, yeah. Whatever. Right, right. So... Uh, Obamacare happened. Uh, um, I got. Um, uh, I finally had insurance. I was safe from the whole pre-existing condition thing, yes. which was what was terrifying me about actually seeing a doctor about anything because I was afraid uh, that if I actually got some sort of diagnosis, that you know, it would basically uh, uh, void me from getting health. Uh, health insurance for the rest of my life yeah. under those rules under the rule yeah so i enthusiastically enrolled and um and you know went through the whole process of getting an appointment and getting getting a general practitioner and then you know got referred to a urologist yes. uh, immediately because they're like oh yeah <laughs> there's no doubt You've got a, a, a thoroughly enlarged prostate. Did they find that out with a blood test? Uh, no. The T. I the think old, it's T. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they might have. I, I can't remember if they did a cancer PSA. PSA. That's the it. PSA count. So uh, they might have done a, a blood screening because I did have the. You know, it would make sense. Yeah. Um. So they're like, okay, there's there's a presence of PSA. You've got an enlarged prostate. We'll refer you to uh, a urologist. So I got referred to, <laughs> God bless his heart, I uh, love this man, Dr. Richard Chop. Richard Chop. Yeah, like my it. urologist, Dick Chop. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of, a, he's sort of famous in, here in town. And I wouldn't pluck that, as I say in my show, I would not pluck that uh, low-hanging fruit if you weren't a fine man and a wonderful practitioner. I recommend him highly. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> he's a great guy. Uh, and he goes by Rick, uh, if you run into him. Uh, uh, he'd appreciate that. Uh, anyway, so uh, I got referred to uh, uh, Dr. Chop, and, um, and you know, sure enough, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. 
So I'm <laughs> I'm in these. And you were still a young man. I mean, you well, were still yeah, a young I was fifty. Man. Fifty. So my yeah, age. Yeah. That I am. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, not what you would expect in a fifty-year-old. It's right. like okay, yeah, we see this in your sixties and your seventies. Correct. Um, and they're like, and in fact, this is not your 60, 70 year old strain of prostate cancer. This is a really nasty one. It's, there's a, a, a scale, they call it the Gleason scale, uh, for, um, rating the aggressiveness of a cancer and, uh, the Gleason scale goes to 10, and this one was a 9. Yeah. So they're like, we got to get this shit out of you now. So uh, they scheduled me for surgery three weeks from um, the, like, wow. the diagnosis. Wow. Like, we got to get you in as early as possible. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I'm sitting. I'm like, I don't have a job. I'm like, you know, I'm probably running out of in, unemployment at this point. I've just, you know, blown out six credit cards. Right. <laughs> you know, I've I've spent the the grant money that I got from the city for the the mermaid show, and uh, uh, um, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, you know, the circumstances were a little dire. So, um, I, uh, was stressed out, but, um, and yeah, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, right. the, the pilot was finished, I, you know, I, I didn't have really any other yeah, I'm trying to movie prospects. I'm trying to picture myself in the same situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you're scared. Yeah, and, and you know... And life's just, there, too. And Yeah, and they've also just filled my head with, like, oh, yeah, in three weeks we're going to do this operation, and you may never be able to have sex again. Right. Like, you may become impotent. You may... We may have to take the nerves that govern all that stuff out. Um, you know... Uh, you know, you may be wearing a diaper for the rest of your life. You oh, know, wow. there's just all this there's stuff. There's a lot, yeah. And so my brain just, mine, it was in a whirl. Um, and and I focused, my brain focused on like, oh my God, like, I have not had enough sex in my life. <laughs> like, I'm like, and, and you know, right to on. be fair, I was like, I'm, I'm not a player I'm not like a ladies man so you know I didn't have as much sex as I could have right right that's for sure because uh, I you know I had many opportunities where I was like two hours later like oh <laughs> and more than often than not I've actually in in truth and in retrospect I'm uh, in truth I'm like I'm usually glad that I didn't as a matter of fact 80 percent of the time right right yeah yeah i can yeah i think i can vouch for that (laughs) yeah exactly so but you know my brain's like oh shit you know i've got to get laid like i've got three weeks to get laid because my dick may never work again like yeah holy crap so i'd i'd wheedled nine some kind of super viagra out of the doctor 
uh, you know, three like three sample packs of three. So I had like these nine pills, and uh, uh, and I'm like just running through in my mind all the memories of the missed opportunities, and I'm just you know I'm in this pity spiral, <laughs> and suddenly in my brain does this when I like. And that's I'll not, notice. We, like, we got to let everybody know that's not an, a tornado alarm going off. No, no. Yeah, I think yes. it's a fire truck. <laughs> oh, it's the train. It's the train. Ah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, my brain, when it catches me being ridiculous, I will... compose a little song to make fun of myself in my head and it's just and I you know I've always sort of done that as a like reflex or if I'm bored doing something I'll make up a song in my head about it but in this instance (laughs) I'm like my brain's like hey Wade these guys just told you that they're going to save your life um, you know that they're per, they're like ninety percent sure that they've caught this early enough that that they're you know that number one that they're gonna save my life and they're even like eighty percent sure that you know they're just gonna compromise my sexual function. Okay. So you know <laughs> there a plus there, there may be a way to sex you know in the future uh, you know right uh, right you know that sort of intimacy. But as a young man, <laughs> yeah, and I'm fifty. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just like, hey, this shouldn't be happening yet. And, uh, but, um, and here I'm like beating my breast in the parking lot because I've, you know, my, you know, there's, there's a chance that there's a slim chance I could be impotent and there's a good chance that my sex life will be complicated. Like that's what I'm right. Know, that's, and that's what I'm focusing on facing death. Like, so basically this particular song like persisted and I, like I literally I got into my van and there was a you know a piece of paper in there and there's always a pen and so I like wrote this song in in sitting in my car uh, pretty much from start to finish um, and as I'm writing it I'm like what the you know what are you doing like this and I'm laughing to myself <laughs> like um, the lines are making me laugh and and I'm thinking to myself wow like I can't imagine me trying to stand up in front of everyone and say hey uh, I'm Wade and here's some songs I have about cancer right right but having had this experience of 
helping this friend of mine, you know, realize part of her alter ego vision. Obviously, it had implanted itself pretty thoroughly in my brain. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I could perform this as an alter ego. I could be an old washed up country star that sings about prostate cancer. And the thought of that popped into my brain. And immediately I'm like, oh, well, I know his name is going to have to be Earl Potty Mouth Arbuckle. <laughs> and because my father's father is Earl Roland, and okay. my mother's uh, father was Frank Arbuckle. So Earl Arbuckle is just like as cowboy as you can possibly yes, yes. get in, in yes. any universe. So I'm like, I've got this front-loaded, like, unbelievable name, and, uh, and I just, I mean, I just, the songs just kept coming, like, I just wrote one after another, and, like, before a couple of weeks were out, I'd already written, like, five or six songs, Wow, and... You know, and I'm hustling around, trying to, you know, get things together and stuff. And uh, a friend of mine owns a bar down in, uh, called Dozen Street, down on 12th Street. Maybe mm -hmm. Di Stefano, ultra-courageous uh, uh, wild woman. So she's got this bar, um, and uh, she just moved into the space, and... Uh, uh, she needed to be able to use the office, and it was just packed with junk. So um, she had me buy a bunch of shelves, and you know, uh, uh, you know, organize her crap for her while she's running around doing a million other things. And uh, so I was doing that, and somebody who had performed at the grand opening of this place—they uh, had a strip or a, not a strip show, a, a drag show. And uh, uh, well, the performers had left behind this like piece of crap, <laughs> like guitar you would have bought at Montgomery Ward. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. And it's pink, pink sunburst. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, and I mean, I hadn't played guitar in forever, but I, you know, I had all these songs, and I needed a guitar in order to just write the songs because right. I wasn't sure I'd be able to remember the melodies for long enough to relay them to somebody and you know I knew that I knew enough just enough guitar that I'd be able to figure out whatever chords I was you right, know, right. running through in my brain and so Mady gave me this guitar <laughs> and I started writing these songs down and started playing them for my friends and my friends um, who were, you know, musicians and actors and mm -hmm. uh, uh, whatever, like, um, started, you know, encouraging me to keep doing it and laughing and, you know, and at the time I was hanging around with my friend Travis Sutherland a lot. <coughs> who actually is the founder of Utopia Fest Music okay. Festival. Yes. And uh, 
that's here in Austin, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. outside Austin. Yeah. yeah, I have seen the mm-hmm. things for that. It's a great festival. Anyway, so he uh, he started that on his parent, uh, his, his family's ranch, and uh, at the time I was helping him harvest these uh, yucca uh, family plants, a sotol plant, uh, because he was um, he had a um, thing going with a distillery where he was um, they were making sotol hmm. uh, out of the plants on his parents' land, and we were chopping them up and you know cooking them and everything. Yeah. But, uh, we needed to do to get them to the distillery and we would jam on these songs out there with whoever showed up and you know the people were just so generous and kind you know these guys who were you know musicians who just like to jam and hang out and you know uh, and so I got to sort of work these songs through with these guys and Travis and uh, his friend Jeremiah um, had an old band that had broken up like a year before or whatever, and they were bored. And so they're like, "Hey, uh, can we be your backing band? You know, <laughs> like we would love to play out with this. You know, so cool." So, and then my friend Indigo, uh, she's like, "Oh." We would like to, I'd like to throw you a fundraiser. Very cool. And we would like Earl to headline. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend Susie, uh, uh, she, uh, uh, she threw in on that and, uh, provided a bunch of burlesque and pole and aerial dancers as the uh, opening act. Beautiful. Um, for um, Wade's Pole Revival. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <coughs> Took me a minute to get it, but I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, an Indigo um, got Jen and... Uh, Another fr- uh, friend who actually was um, uh, Jen's roommate at the time, Lorna, and uh, I had a bunch of mermaid costumes left over from the mermaid show. That's right. So mm, the girls all wanted to be my backup singers, <laughs> and we had ready-made mermaid costumes. So Earl Pottymouth Arbe- Arbuckle became Earl Pottymouth Arbuckle and the Sirens of Titan, and <laughs> that's the origin of the. Of the very very long name, <laughs> but anyway, so back to like, oh my God, I've got cancer. I'm you know writing songs just like crazy. I had the surgery, um, and uh, and it was successful. Um, you know after time and t- you know tests and everything they they were able to determine that they'd actually removed all the cancer so right. they removed my prostate they removed the structure next door which the cancer had spread to mm. uh, the seminal vesicles <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, and uh and and yeah so they didn't take the nerves or anything like that so um 
Uh, but before the surgery, I mean, I like I tried, 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 tried to get laid. I went on a bunch of dates <laughs> and uh, and basically just went up to my female friends and was just like, "Hey, this is what's going on," you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know none of them none of them <laughs> took me up on it and you know you can't blame them it's like talk about heavy like fucking heavy heavy stuff and you know, yeah yeah uh, that would have been a whole lot of amount emotional baggage to totally take yeah so uh and yeah what if i die you know like oh Yo, my god yeah, like seriously seriously i was but at least I was honest, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> I didn't like out there. trick trick anybody into anything. But that was my downfall as well because I led with my you know <laughs> led with the with the deck open. Hey, this is what's going on. Right. They're like, woo, yeah, blow their <laughs> let's, mind. Let's yeah, blow let's have mind. dinner and you know have a great talk. But like, yeah, I'm going home alone. So <laughs> <laughs> so, but. Basically, that experience facing my bear, like, you know, this desperation in the face. And then, you know, <laughs> uh, and the thing that, that I got instead, you know, which I wasn't banking on and couldn't have asked for wasn't courageous enough to ask for even but was given instead of you know what I was asking for was you know all of these women and my friends in general you know you know yeah Indigo and Susie rallied together and put together this fest, you know, this benefit. My friends Travis and, and Jeremiah and, and Bert and Heath Allen and, you know, uh, and the girls, you know, they came together and made a band when, you know, right. like, and I could barely play guitar at this point. <laughs> you know, it was just, I was awful. And, uh, But all these people you're describing to me, they knew your soul. They knew. They knew this beautiful person you are. You know. Well, I just I. I. The generosity of the human spirit just astounds me and always surprises me. And yeah, exactly. I didn't. I didn't have the courage to ask. I didn't have the humility to ask because I'm flawed. You know, right. I have to admit that I'm flawed and that I need help. And wow, you know, I got all the help. I got all the help. And, um, you know, they raised enough money to help me, you know, cover the copay that I needed. And, you know, I paid $1,500 for $300,000 worth of surgery. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> I know. So, uh, and then the, just the idea that this was something that people actually wanted to hear, 
um, you know, we did this benefit, you know, people laughed their asses off. Um, and, you know, when's the next show? When's the next show? What's the next song? You know, right. play me with your new song, you know, <laughs> got any new songs? Like, so out of the blue, completely this dream that I'd had when I was a high school student, you know, to be a rock star. Um, you know, to have a band that actually is doing something, you know, other right. than practicing in the garage. Right, yeah. <laughs> and playing a party every once in a while really badly. Um, you know, is realized. And, you know, suddenly I'm a musician. And, and also, you know, I was blessed with the fact that, you know, um, I have a good enough ear and... Uh, uh, basically a vocal training since I was in grade school. Right. Um, and uh, so I also had this very unique voice. And uh, and a um. Yeah, a, a nice, pleasant baritone voice. Right. So it's right. like, perfect I'm, explanation. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I was yeah. like, okay, wow, I've got an instrument. Yeah. You know, yeah. other than the guitar, um, because yeah, I'm not going to impress anybody <laughs> doing that. You know, not for years and with a lot of practice. Right. Right. Uh. So, and the stage presence. Um. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and enough experience, you know, just glad-handing people, yeah. doing networking in film, like, I can talk to anybody. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of, I have, in some ways, I can, you know, similar qualities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, just sort of like, I don't. I look at people and it's like, why wouldn't I get up and talk, or I don't. Yeah, yeah, who's that guy? Well, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, um. So, yeah, and I just, I, um, so it perpetuated itself, and, and following that first revelation in the parking lot, you know, each of these songs started to become a new revelation, and, um, you know, I'm, you know... <laughs> You know, I'm writing, like, I've got a song called I Want to Kiss Your Taint. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's just, it's as, like, that's just sounds like the rawest, like, like, oh my God, that's just offensive kind of in, right. on the surface, right? Right, on the, yeah. But, but in truth, what the song is about is, like, it's a narrative of, like, hey, um, I think it's kind of a love song to a girl who I'm saying, hey, um, um, uh, you've just come back from Europe. Uh, I've really got a thing for you. 
but I have this problem and, and I've got erectile dysfunction and so since I can't do that for you I'd like to kiss your taint <laughs> <laughs> so it's this like very sweet romantic song but with this raunch raunchy title and the, right. I mean this the chorus is like oh my god so uh, <laughs> I want to babe I want to kiss your taint don't tell me I can't I'll show no restraint babe I never said I'm no saint but I ain't heard no complaints I'll lick till you faint <laughs> so and it's this soaring like ballad <laughs> it's ridiculous so and and yep yeah, but and those were like real lessons that I was learning and that I was yeah. experiencing and they just and you know my mind that that sort of impulse comic like don't take yourself too fucking seriously Wade right, right. you know you're not going to write a folk song about this you're going to write a country song <laughs> that's goofy as hell right and uh uh And yeah, so, and then on top of this, you know, it's just life's full of like these tragedies wrapped in silver linings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, as, you know, as this thing developed and I'm like, okay, what am I going to be? You know, obviously I'm not making money uh, playing songs for people <laughs> but uh, this um, gift from heaven or whatever uh, fell out of the sky and um, I started uh, just as things started getting desperate um, uh, my father had um, died um, about a year or so before my diagnosis oh, before okay. uh, and uh, he uh, he died of uh, mesothelioma so he contracted cancer through asbestos and oh, and radiation wow. basically it's the only two causes of this particular form of cancer was that in his work field uh, Navy mm. and then he also did a lot of auto work yeah. So, kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, brake pads and yeah. you know, and yeah. in the 60s and 50s and you know, 70s. So, he had a whole lot of contact with asbestos and uh, um when he passed, he entered into this class action suit. And so um as members of the family, we were um I started getting checks for this thing uh, that you know, basically plucked me out of like, oh, okay, what am you know? Uh, I'm gonna get real homeless here, in a bit, you right, know, right. unless I can get something steady. And I was, you know, I was doing temp jobs and you know, like cleaning out Mady's office was, you know, one of the many, many, many crazy things I 
uh, I, I was doing and um, uh, so I had room to you know continue to develop this thing and the more I performed it the more I told people about it the more people rallied around and uh, um, uh, and yeah like I um, and then the people who were you know bringing me into their fold and I'm I you know I have to thank you know the initial people who started helping me out you know yeah. sort of like I, I got to borrow credibility from um, you know Travis certainly um, uh, as a festival owner um, uh, just the fact that Travis was in my band and and uh, and vouched for me as a person. Um, let those people, you know, sit down and and uh, be able to listen to me without that first skeptical cloak, which yeah. can be pretty thick. Yeah. Oh, I, I know it. Yeah. Yeah, and so I got to s get a sympathetic listen by a lot of uh, talented people, and you know, like people started inviting me to play shows with them and stuff, and. And, uh, um, and yeah, I started realizing that, you know, not only was this pleasing to other people, but this was like really, you know, the, the pro this process, just making music, being, uh, being a creative was giving me a chance to explore myself in a way that yeah. I really hadn't been able to before. And, you know, facing things like, you know, um, uh, one of the crazy, <laughs> like, basically losing my, uh, losing my sexual function. Uh, and being like knocked down in this arbitrary hierarchy of like male potency oh, and yeah. you know dominance oh, yeah. and I've never been you know the alpha male by any Me. stretch of the imagination I faked it <laughs> yeah I yeah. faked it when my ego controlled my life more right. but yeah totally the yeah. opposite and whenever I did fake it I did it so badly that I'd make an ass of myself yeah and yes yes, yes. Yeah, exactly yes I made an ass of myself for extended years <laughs> but yes <laughs> but yes I yes I like you are, yes very <laughs> yes yeah, and what's weird here I'll be honest yeah. you know when some people you know my thing the next last two years where I really got to know myself better and, and know and be able to express my who I am and here yeah. it is I am I'm a human and I, I believe in love and I believe in humanity and I believe in human rights and I believe in we are all here to experience joy and love yes and you know I've had people wow what the fuck happened to you mm. you know and yes. hey I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> but I can't go on with that mask on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got peaceful. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I got peaceful. Yeah, on you know, <laughs> and, and then a lot of you know, like even even my 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 girl, you know, you know, you go your hair and stuff, and she loves it. But it's like I go, you know, it's just a, a so freeing to me because I can't look at old pictures of myself because that and I remember kind of the. And I'm not saying I was a horrible person right, by any no. means. I was. I have very dear friends and. Yes. Yes. But in my, I wasn't who I was. Yes. I didn't get to be who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Oh no, <laughs> no, totally no. This is so in line. But I was and just kind of saying no, it how it informs what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. with 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 feminine. I mean, my uncle that I just I lost to AIDS this last year, um, but he had it since 1983. Yeah. Oh, like wow, I told great. you before, he, he brought me into these wonderful worlds of beautiful yes. people. Yes. Beautiful. So it was I always admired it, and you know, now it's just beautiful to be able to just meet all extraordinary people and mm -hmm. not have all the hang-ups and all the bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't like a hardcore misogynist or chauvinist right. or racist or anything, but I had a lot to learn. Yeah. I still had tons to learn. And that humbling experience, that, that sort of like, hey, wait a minute, like, now I'm, you know, you know, the butt of all those jokes, you know, the impotence jokes. Like I'm that guy all of a sudden, you know. And every right. time I hear one, I'm like, you know. And and it gave me even more sympathy than I ever had before with people who are lower than me on this privilege scale. That is, again, fucking arbitrary. Right. Manufactured to prop up a certain uh, right uh, uh, people. <laughs> anyway, so but people, yeah, and uh, and I started realizing how I I gained more more sympathy for rights causes, you know, yeah. for you know, yeah. and it's like and me too. Like I mean, I I. I my mom's, you know, this is super cliche story, but my mom's hairdresser was gay, but in Billings, Montana, and he was yeah. pretty flamboyant. And, you know, I had this experience where I offended him deeply when I was very young, before I right. knew, right. you know. And he refused to cut my hair for like five years. Like, he was pissed. Yeah. And I'm so, not saying that's right, but yeah, that no, people no, have but that freedom to totally. And and but it taught me a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so early on, like I already had like okay, yeah, like saying something bad to somebody just because of you know something they have no control over race, you know, sexual orientation, gender, you know, whatever is just right. here's another example of what you know don't do that. So I already had these sympathies, but you know this informed it even more deeply and and feminism especially yeah it was like with all these you know all these women who rallied to my side uh, when I was most vulnerable and uh, and and just getting them even more more perspective and sympathy for all of us who are, you know, thrown into this 
manufactured struggle to keep us busy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, like being, you know, afraid of, of other people and, you know, wow. this natural instinct, the xenophobia that we... Yeah. We deal with as humans, you know, we but we deal with it because we're freaking conscious. But, you know, we're we're being manipulated by uh by people to to make sure that yeah, we're distracted from whatever they're doing. <laughs> right. No. Uh, yeah. So, um it uh, gave me those awakenings and yeah. and and even more like more it was making it harder and harder for me to make mistakes yeah that I don't have to make you know like like choosing yeah choosing to push my own agenda choosing to be dishonest right you know choosing you know these all these choices that I make in moments of desperation or or whatever uh, fear always fear always um to try and you know make my life better or give myself an advantage or you know you know whatever you know and uh, um, so I started playing shows regularly um, uh, you know um, band grew to like 10 people <laughs> at one point of the one show I had 10 people on stage it was that's loud yeah. <laughs> and wow. it was great yeah, fun. I was going to say yeah that sounds fun uh, and then things scaled back and I realized I really needed to scale it back just to simplify and uh, um, And through all this, I, you know, I just, I guess I just started to be more and more serious about, like, just maintaining, um, like, I'd just been given another life. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, and when I faced that death, you know, the regrets were paramount, and... And, um, and I realized that, that doing whatever I could to try to not accumulate more regrets <laughs> yeah. was going to be the way I was going to make my death as peaceful as possible. And, uh, um... And that's something I learned from my father the when mm -hmm. that year before um when he passed i uh i uh yeah I saw the admiration that people had for him and um and the friendships he had and and I know that he had regrets certainly uh, but but he lived his life. with his heart open to other people and yeah. with he put other people first and we share that in common 
Yeah. Before, yeah. Yeah. Our father, my father, same way. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, sometimes he put other people first to his own detriment. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, that's a lesson that we all need to learn. But he erred on that side rather than on the other. Right. And that's... None of us are perfect. That was a big lesson. None of us are perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And I could, yeah. And... <laughs> But I was, I saw like, okay, if I'm going to make mis- if I'm going to, if I'm going to fuck up, I'm going to fuck up like he fucked up. And, right. and that also seeing that gave me perspective on my own regrets, like the, the, um, and resentments resentments towards people who would take advantage of me yeah yeah so um and i had a lot of that i had a lot of that when i uh built up over you know being young and you know i was like i said on the last uh, podcast i was really weird (laughs) i was a weird kid so i got bullied a lot like i got bullied relentlessly and uh so I had a lot of like you know pent up rage about that and and seeing my father uh, seeing seeing the people's uh, reactions to my father and my their relationships with my father and the things that they said about him made me realize that that I could own those resentments and forgive those people because if I hadn't stayed open in the way that my father taught me, I would have never had those experiences, but I would have had, you know, I would have been that bully. I would have been the bully. I would have been the bully. Right. Right, and I, I, totally I don't want to. I don't want. You know, I can't even imagine. Like, yeah, I'm, like, yeah. The the nightmare and the and the in the core of your soul that I would have if if that if that had been my life. No. Yeah. So I. Uh, And so, yeah, this, this like, quest to sort of try to live my life with no regrets and to start living a life worth, uh, worth living, something that I feel like I'm giving to people, you know, even in a small way, you know, to friends, like, shutting up and listening instead of talking, uh, you know, any, anything that I can do, um. And, um, and, and it also, you know, the self-critical, um, aspect of, you know, like, like just being creative and writing these songs, it's like, you know, sure I can write a song like, oh, the grass is so green and it's so pretty and da 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 Right. But I that's not satisfying to me right like i mean i've got like i've got stories in my soul you know it's like i've i've you know i trained uh 
in literature, like yeah, right. I drove myself crazy. <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah. In the, tra- you know, training myself to like appreciate and analyze and create literature, and so I I couldn't just write a song. So each one of these songs ended up like I mean I I get surprised at the revelations I get. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, the latest song I, <laughs> I just wrote, it's not an Earl song. I've got this whole other act called Wade Elliott Rolling American Hero. Oh, love it. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> and in, in the Earl universe, the way I've conceived of it is that Earl, who uh, lived under the name Wade Rowland for a while, just so people wouldn't bother him about being Earl Arbuckle <laughs> and ask him about it. Or make fun of him or anything. So he lived as Wade Rowland and then he breaks out as Earl Arbuckle. But Earl Potty Mouth Arbuckle's songs are not acceptable everywhere. Yes. And Earl really does want to reach people with, you know, not just the prostate message and the sex stuff, but, you know, has some other things to say. And because his show's so profane, there were some places that really weren't interested in <laughs> having right. having that go. So uh, um, Earl realized that he had to create an alter ego. And so he exploited his old his old uh, pseudonym and decided that he's, you know, not only is he carrying the message of prostate cancer out, but he also wants to um, to this niche audience, he wants to carry this larger audience to a broader audience, or larger message to a broader audience about uh, feminism and equality and um, uh, class stuff. <laughs> you know, it, it gets pretty political. Right, right. But uh, but he does like sexual politics and you know like lots of you know uh, songs about how to treat women and stuff. So yeah, this latest song. A friend of mine is a bartender, and she's been bothering me about asking. She wants me to write her a song. So, mm. um, so you know, I start writing a song, and you know, it's to a girl. So you know, I'm talking about her, and you know how much, uh, uh, you know how how awesome she is, and how super hot she is, and you know, this girl's 26 or eight or something. I'm 55. So I'm writing this song. <laughs> and I'm starting to think to myself, like, ooh, creepy, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but I'm writing it and I'm writing it. And it's, you know, it's a good song. And I and I finish it and I play it for her and everything. And, and she, you know, we have a good friendship. So she understands my music. So she's not offended by right. it at all. But it just rankled on me. And, you know, I couldn't, that song wasn't finished for some reason. And it just kept, like, needling at me. And I kept, you know, like, tweaking a line and tweaking a line. And suddenly I realized that the song was about being creepy. (laughs) Ah, I like the concept. (laughs) Now. Great concept. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm an older dude. I've got this great relationship, this great friendship with this cute, super cute bartender. You know, she asks me out to movies and stuff. Right. Like, you know, she's it's this lovely platonic thing. And she thinks Earl's hilarious. And she loves bringing dates to Earl. Because, 
ends up getting laid afterwards. Because uh, <laughs> the guy's all like, wow, she must be, you know, gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she brought me to this show with a dude with penises all over his suit. So she's, you know, like we've got this like clear understanding. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the song is now about like, how like you know I've got this good friend but you know what use is it for me to like get all right. like hey man you're super hot you know? <laughs> tell her that she's hot all the time or she has a great ass or whatever because yeah that's just gonna that's gonna ruin the friendship in the yeah, end yeah yeah so anyway so yeah like even stupid songs that I don't think have a message end up having messages in them uh, so anyway, um, uh, so yeah, these songs are, and um, uh, I had about three years of of, uh, of good solid, you know, um, development. I got a job at the Paramount Theater, nice. um, which yeah also helped out tremendously, and I was working in the parking garage, which you know like parking lot attendant <laughs> I'm 50 <laughs> what you know like, but you know you don't get a job at the Paramount because you think you're going to make money right right uh, and yeah basically gave me access to the shows uh, yeah which is incredible um, um, but lo and behold once again another like gift in my lap I was sitting in this parking garage for hours on end by myself. So I was yeah. really crappy at guitar. <laughs> and a couple of years later, sitting there in that garage, <sighs> I can actually accompany myself without, like, you know, and, you know, I can flat pick a little bit. You right. know, I'm like, I can change chords without, you know, like... So I have calluses on my fingers, and I sang and sang and sang to those grackles in that damn parking garage. How cool! And just practiced and practiced. Beautiful experiences. Practiced in this reverb. Yeah, like all the reverb in the world. It was wonderful. And yeah, exactly. Like I mean, I could have landed a hundred little part-time jobs. Right. This is the one, and and I, you know, I hadn't. Well, I'll get this one because then I'll be able to practice guitar. It was like, I no. should bring my guitar here. <laughs> yeah, that was the bonus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so I worked there until the parking garage basically got eliminated. <laughs> they sold, somebody sold the company that owned it and was donating it, sold it to another company who wasn't interested in donating it. So, um, uh, Yeah, just these, you know, and like, and people were getting what I was doing, like, and I started realizing, like, wow, I'm doing something pretty unique, you know, like, like I'm an old dude talking about singing about feminism, right? Um, you know, and I've got this crazy hook that, I mean. It's irresistible no matter who you are. Like, yeah, I've got a... <laughs> I'm a country singer 
who wants to spread the word about prostate cancer to the world and sings filthy country songs like only the staunchest Catholic, you know, Baptists, you know, whatever, isn't going to want to hear that. And maybe right. they do in secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm sure they do. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they? But, <coughs> you know, it's got this sort of attractive hook and, you know, mermaids and, you know, and then, like, over the course of time, you know, people started contributing, like, like, material, like, mm-hmm. like, a f- friend of mine who's just a good friend of Darcy's who introduced us uh, who's a costume uh, costumer in in LA and works on TV shows and you know whatever and whatever you know she heard about her role and you know you know and and you know made me like a full on nudie suit like rhinestones and tiger print and like she took this this design and basically I I went on the internet and traced a a revolver handle and then got got another picture of a big penis (laughs) 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 and replaced the penis the barrel with the penis like half erect, you know, like like way downturn, and just put those two things together and send her this picture and a suit, and was like, "Can you like help me design something?" And I, you know, I'll apply it. I'll right. like, I'll bedazzle the shit out of this thing. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm looking at bedazzlers online and stuff, and you know, I send her this thing, and you know, send me back a pattern, and instead she sends me back this just masterpiece. Like, like I can't even imagine how much she would charge somebody to make this suit, like a couple thousand dollars easily. Yeah. And you know, and it's like basically it's a hundred dollar polyester suit that's hot pink, hot pink. And uh, and I'm already on my second undersuit. Like I had the stuff removed from the original one and put on a new one because I trashed the other one. Um, and uh, yeah so that you know the mermaids the um, I'm yeah I'm at the Tigris pub actually the bartender that I was talking about Kelsey yeah Kelsey Cowdebeck, uh at Tigris pub she I, I go to this I was still drinking okay so yeah actually this is a good way <laughs> to that part of the story so I'm still drinking um and uh going to this you know bar I'm you know I meet Kelsey and uh you know empty stool next to me full bar you know always the hope that a hot girl's gonna sit down next to me I can you know chat with an attractive woman instead of a crusty old dude <coughs> And sure enough, this beautiful, you know, Asian girl walks in and sits down next to me and, you know, I introduce myself and, and immediately notice number one, that she has an Australian or not, uh, uh, well, I probably pegged it as as Australian initially, but she's from New Zealand. Yes. Um, so she's got this 
thick <laughs> New Zealand accent. Yeah, I have a and she's from this. There. Yeah, yeah, and but she's uh, her parents are um, from Taiwan, so they're Chinese. She's full-blooded uh, Chinese, but raised um, uh, her entire life in, in New Zealand. So, uh, so she's this enigma, and of course, like just as pretty as could be so I'm bowled over for a moment baby thought I'd miss everything all those special moments our life would bring say the cancer hasn't moved to the bone no reason to believe I'll leave you here all alone don't worry darling I'll be around don't check that lost and found I'll be around don't call down the dog pounds, I'll be around. I'm stuck on this merry-go-round, but I'll be around. There's so much more in this world to see. I hope you come along and see it with me. <laughs> Let's hit the road, baby. We don't need no map. No schedule, no agenda. Let's not fall into that trap. No worry, darling. Don't check that lost and found Cause I'll be around Don't call down to that dog pounds I'll be around I may be stuck on this merry-go-round I'll be around This lifelong journey goes without and within it's that journey inside that can be harder than sin let's kill this demon living in my core cause frankly baby I want to love you some more Don't worry, darling, I'll be around. Don't call down to that dog pound, cause I'll be around. Don't check that lost and found, and I'll be around. I may be stuck on this merry-go-round, but I'll be around for you. Stop on down by the house now. And you know where I'll be. 
Hell yeah! I'll be around. next week we will be talking with wade again part three i mean he is just a beautiful person and a beautiful soul so we just want to keep hearing more i want to keep hearing more and a lot of you that have emailed want to keep hearing more as well so we'll be back